Recovering Fundamentalist podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a convention of beans or peas to me. I, podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Hi, man! Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing good, neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, man, Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalists. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical True. family. We are the fundamentalists. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, we better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? But I, I've, I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm-hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was it, right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, jump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started the movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Guys, I'm I'm sorry for being late tonight. <laughs> we had people over for dinner, and my phone was blowing up, and I was pulling a Brian Edwards and not answering anybody's text messages. <laughs> and then at 945, when Nathan called, I was like, oh, my goodness, we are recording tonight. So let me apologize publicly hey. for uh, being late. And I'm at home. So if any of the kids come running out, for those that are watching on YouTube, I'm sitting in the backyard. And so all my neighbors are going to get to hear my side of the episode. But if the kids come out, I, I have no clue what this episode holds from my end. <laughs> when when the kids come running out it's is what you meant to say. Yes. We, well, I promised them cookout if they don't come out. We always go on oh, Thursday nights man, to cookout. Yes. Nice. We get the, the cheer wine floats. Yes, that's the best thing ever. So So the first time I ever experienced cookout was in North Carolina. I went to meet Brian and uh, stayed at Mount Airy. And uh, he he took me to a cookout there. Brian's introduced me to all my favorite restaurants. So not not that cookout is my favorite, but exactly. But anyway, he he took me there. And then so we were riding down the road with my family uh, not too much longer after that. And I was like, hey have you guys ever been to a cookout? And my wife looked at me like I was an idiot. 
And she was like, no, I've never been to a cookout before. And then all my kids started laughing in the back seat and they were just making fun of me back and forth. And hey, have you ever been to a campfire? Hey, have you ever been in a church? Hey, have you ever been? They started naming all these places. So now it's this huge joke in our family. Anytime that's funny. someone sees a cookout, it's like, hey, have you been to a cookout? So that's that's welcome to my world. Man, hey, listen, I'm just jealous that JC has friends who want to come over for dinner. <laughs> what in the world is that like to have friends that want to come over? And then now, JC, I want to be in Statesboro to go for a cheer wine float. It's our Thursday night thing to do, buddy. Man, I am so jealous right now. I want to be in Statesboro. I really but, do. But here's the frustrating point of it. Because we're in a college town and it's Statesboro and they haven't developed the restaurants to capacity of what the college students are. So there's 27,000 college students and like two restaurants that are open past 10 wow. o'clock in Statesboro. So you literally sit in line for 30 to 45 minutes and it is an experience. Let's just put it that way. Do they have a sign hanging over the door that says you are now entering the mission field? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and here's what's crazy. At the beginning of COVID, they started remodeling the inside and they're done. They just haven't opened up the inside. So it's just oh, wow. drive through only. Wow. So it well, is, let me uh, tell you this. Dude, I tell the if kids. You're to, ever, go ahead, JC. I'm sorry. I tell the kids to shield their eyes sometimes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing. If you're ever in North Carolina, Yes, cookout is great, but if you're ever in the triad, you've never eaten until you have Dario. Dario, Dario, I've been to Dario. Oh my goodness, Dario yes. is like heaven on a bun. No matter what you order, and then the hard serve ice cream mm. at the end with, and that they have all those tons of flavors. And Dario's fries, yeah, the seasoning they put on the fries, man. Homemade ranch. It's so good. Nate, we need to go to a Duke game before Coach K retires. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like, good. They've they only were, got they a few, they've only got a few more. Ago. Well, they didn't go to they didn't play at Clemson because oh, I was supposed not? to go to that game. No, they canceled it because of COVID. Ended up playing it at Cameron Indoor. And uh, did you see the Clemson Duke game that just happened? Um our big boy for Duke went up to dunk the ball and the guy for Clemson just bull rushed him. And like, not, I, I, was that. Like, that, I don't understand how he only got a one game suspension, but coach K he, uh, he went out the last game and didn't come back out. And so John Schreier, the new head coach actually came out and led him on to victory against, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was, we need to get to a game, man. We got to, I just wanted to ask, I just wanted to ask Duke what it felt like to be on the other side of that equation. Oh man, <laughs> they, they've kind of been known as the bad boys. What what was that one one guy that, that was I always was, I was, taking I'm sitting cheap here shots. trying to remember his name? Uh, Grayson Grayson. Oh Allen. my goodness! Yeah, I mean he tripped everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, tripped. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. It's all I'm right. Just all the ACC is soft because since I've been 11 years old, I've been a Georgetown Hoyas fan. And so I don't even know what you're talking about with the ACC playing rough ball because, you know, the Hoyas of old, man, you remember they'd break out in fights and everything, and it, that was real basketball. We grew up in Indiana. We had Bobby Knight. That's what I remember on the local TV, him throwing chairs across and talking oh, players yeah. like, yeah. oh, Bobby Knight. But, Duke, you can't, you can't beat Duke, man. 
Come on. And and I'm, I grew up I'm... a Christian, so go Tar Heels. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, man. It makes me, literally makes me sick to my stomach. So we got to get to a Duke Tar Heels game. See, me and Nathan are Seminoles fans for everything but basketball. And then yep. we are complete rivals then, but yes, it's all right. Are. And the Braves still haven't signed Freddie Freeman. So I don't know when's that when that's going to happen. I'm thinking he's walking. Welcome mm. to the Recovering Fundamentalist Sports <laughs> Podcast. We're Somebody said, oh, they're, they're talking about sports ball again. Sports ball. <laughs> uh, listen, this episode is going to be a catch-all because we don't really have a clue where we're going tonight or what we're talking about. But I love sitting down and just shooting the breeze with you guys because that's that's what makes it what it is. So Yeah, and we do have some things to talk about right off okay, the top. Okay, never mind. Take everything I just said away. <laughs> 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 JC, do you ever know what you're like? We never, never. know what you're gonna say. You're, so you you're exactly say right. How was it? Did you know where we're going with you? <laughs> I wasn't you know where we're going. Take it. <laughs> no, I just we do have a few things to talk about, and one of the things we were going to talk about was an email that we got after the oh. abortion episode last oh, week. I remember so that. I just want to read this to you guys because uh, hey, we're open about people that push back on us, especially when they sure. do it with class like this lady did. So she said, your podcast was great yesterday, but I felt it lacked the element of grace for ladies who choose to have an abortion in spite of knowing just how wrong it is. You were more than willing to extend grace to people who had abortions before they were saved and before they knew the truth of what they were doing. But people who know the truth and still choose to have an abortion also need grace. Those of us who have chosen to have an abortion, even while knowing the truth, made a conscious choice to sin, and we know it, but we need grace. I thank God for the grace and forgiveness he's given me, but your podcast yesterday made me feel as if people will only give grace if I had made my decision prior to knowing Christ. Here's what you may not understand. Growing up, IFB, an unwed mother, is way more of a scourge in the eyes of an IFB church than it is for a single lady to secretly have an abortion. The shame and contempt for unwed mothers is what drove my decision. I'm not proud of my decision, and trust me, I've paid dearly for it, but I did know better and still made my choice. I am so grateful for God's grace and forgiveness, but everyone needs to be given that grace. People know it's wrong to lie, but they still make a conscious choice to lie. Maybe their sin is different, but it's still sin that needs to be forgiven. I am pro-life and made the wrong decision, but because the IFB world is so horrible to people with evidentiary sin as opposed to secret sin, I will always extend grace to women who find themselves in the situation I found myself in. Please add this in on the podcast that no matter what the circumstances, God's grace is for everyone. King David knew full well what he was doing when he had Uriah killed, but God forgave him too. And if you look at his extenuating circumstances surrounding his choice, you can almost see why he felt it was the necessary course of action, even if it was the wrong course to take. All I ask is for grace for everyone. God gives it, so please be willing to give it also. So, fellas, what do you think about that? I'll tell you the first thing that comes to my mind, Nathan. I, I do believe we extended grace. I believe we even highlighted the fact that so often, you know, grace is not a part of the equation. For example, you never pointed out the young lady that you shared the story about 
You didn't give us her name or her identity or any way that we could even know who she was or, or, or even, you know, figure out her identity. You kept that totally concealed, even to JC and myself. But you never said that she didn't know better and that she didn't have an understanding of scripture prior to her decision. And because yet you she talked did. about the fact. Yeah. Okay. And you, but you mm. talked about the fact that in that service, she was extended no grace. And you actually said that, you know, that wasn't right, that, that grace should always be mm. attached. But this is what I would say to the person who wrote that email. You know, the apostle Paul was a horrific individual before he came to faith in Christ. The Apostle Paul did things that all of us would, would agree were horrible. You know, taking the lives of Christians, having children ripped from their mother's hands as, you know, their mothers were being martyred. And, you know, the Apostle Paul would have been in the center of all of that. And yet God used his life mightily. Paul was so knowledgeable in the law. Paul knew the scripture as Saul, you know, but once he was converted to Christ, isn't it amazing the powerful ways that God used him? And so what I would say is this, God's word is a book, a story of grace. And so, yes, we believe in grace. We, we preach the passages that, that Paul wrote. And every single time we quote one or we, we preach one, we testify of the fact that we believe God gives grace to people regardless of their past, even when they know the law, even when they know the text, and when they still choose against that. So, yes, this person, if God forgives them, we have no option but to forgive them regardless yeah. of what our feelings might be. Yeah. And I, I thought our, our episode was full of grace for anybody that had experienced any kind of sin. I mean, go back to yeah. the podcast, the episode about homosexuality. We're, we're very clear that they have to repent of their sins just like any sinner does mm -hmm. to receive Christ's forgiveness because Christ shed his blood for those who believe in him and for those who confess and repent their sin or repent of their sins. And, and so, you know, we're very clear about the fact that it is a sin, but we also, you know, say that God's grace can extend to anyone. We've even confronted people who say that homosexuality is basically the unforgivable sin that, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I forget the term that they use, but, uh, that they've gone, that they've gone too far, that God's given them over to a reprobate mind. This, reprobation yeah, the doctrine of reprobation yeah. and and i don't believe that i believe that uh sure individuals can reach that point where like pharaoh they harden their hearts so long that god hardens their heart and you know maybe they won't ever have another chance extended to them to repent i don't know what that line is and i'm not going to preach a sermon on when that line is because there's no way i can know but i do believe god's grace can be extended to any sinner any class of sinner uh mm -hmm. willingly or unknowingly. So yeah. Brian, thank you for pointing that out. And I, I, I just think it's, it's important uh, to, to realize that we were dealing with a specific context. Most of the episode, we were speaking into Jennifer's context, her story, mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation with her. So, uh, but I, I did think that was a fair enough assertion that we needed to address it. 
Yeah, I'm just surprised we didn't get more emails about the sex education portion of that podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that actually surprises me. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very clear and very open and and uh, I I actually got another person I didn't tell you guys about this you may have read it but she was upset that I had beeped out uh, some sections of you talking and she emailed <laughs> us and said did did Brian Edwards just cuss <laughs> use profanity. And she was so upset. No. She said, my kid walked in the room and I was so embarrassed. And then she emailed back later and said, well, I, I just finished listening to the podcast and I <laughs> laughed and I, I thought it was funny. She goes, but please don't do that anymore. So I, I interacted with her and, and tried to explain that. So I, I'm just getting us in all kinds of trouble. Yeah, you so are. Welcome, welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you saw that clip, you know, of that pastor who, who did that and he kept calling us what was it he kept calling us stupider or something yeah and recovering fundamentalist and the you know the person Flubbed who made up. that video Flubbed Flubbed up. Up. that's it and so they kept beeping that out and so nathan thought it would be funny jc did you notice to do that to me and you yeah he never nathan did it to did himself not, oh no he did not did he <laughs> so nathan what about that grace what about that grace you're full of, Nathan? Let's talk Man. about that. Uh, yeah, let's have an episode on that. Listen, I was listening to it in bed when you sent over the hard before it went, and I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I rewound it and listened to it like eight times. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Brian is going to hate it. I was crying yeah. laughing when I was editing it, man. I was just like, my girls were asleep, and I was just falling over on the couch laughing so hard. Oh, well, I don't know who sent that email, but I just want you to know that I share your feelings. I'm embarrassed <laughs> by these guys often. So oh, man. I know exactly how you feel. Oh, that, I love it. I, I do want to address one other thing or, or a couple other things in this email that the lady sent about the abortion episode. There's there's a difference. She pushed back, so I want to push back a little bit. There's a huge difference in knowingly telling a lie and knowingly taking a life. Yeah. And Big I'm time. not trying to rub salt in that wound. She said she had paid dearly for it. And I'm not going to address that. But she even admitted it, it is a different type of sin. And, you know, she also said later, later in the, um, the email that you can almost understand, see why David felt it was a necessary course of action. No, I don't understand. Uh, and I'm sure Uriah's children wouldn't have understood why David took that choice. I understand that sin takes you further than you plan to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you way more than you want to pay. I know that sin gets out of control. So, but I, it's never I don't, right to I don't, do wrong to do right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever want to, uh, and I don't think she was trying to justify what David did. But that's that's just not the direction we want to take an argument of, oh, yeah. well, you know, God forgave his sin. So, you know, God can forgive any sinner. He's forgiven me of horrible sins. And and we do extend grace to anybody. I think we're clear on that. But since yeah. I read the email, I just didn't want to leave that hanging out there yeah. because it's it's an issue. Well, I think this can go into a lot of different facets of uh, – uh, people that are openly sinning 
and the forgiveness factor that comes there. Uh, there's a situation with the church that's very, you know, that we're closer to, uh, maybe me more than than you guys, but there's a pastor um, that has been very out in public right now that was caught having an affair, um, living in open sin, has lied about it for a long mm-hmm. time, stood up after taking a second sabbatical now and got up there, Tabner Smith of Venue Church, and got up in front of his church two weeks ago and said, I want to read this statement and read a statement confessing to having an open affair with um, a lady in his church that was on staff. He said, but I'm moving on from that, and I've, I've found grace. And then the tens of people that were there that have remained gave him a standing ovation, and then he went on to preach a message like nothing had ever happened. This is after he lost eight staff members. This is after a ton of the people on the church have left. A lot of people that I know that were attending there, and I hate it. Because we never want to celebrate when a pastor falls. And and I've been very vocal about this on my social media, um, you know, pointing it out because he, he built a campus right down the road from where I was building Rockbridge. And, uh, you know, I've had some interactions with him and I, I hate it, but I saw this coming. I think everybody could see this coming and the lack of repentance, but standing there in the on stage the last three weeks and preaching like nothing had ever happened. That's a different level of living in open sin, but just kind of turning it and saying, okay, but God has to have me and going on and preaching like it's nothing. What are y'all thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, we often hear about the appreciation of grace and grace should be appreciated. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found blind, but now I see. Those words have been sung more than any other words in any other hymn ever written it's it's an expression of appreciation for grace i I don't think we talk enough about the abuse of grace Mm. you know go uh the bible says in romans chapter six i believe it is and this is just off the top of my head and and, and if it's not romans six everyone forgive my 51 year old mind shall we continue in sin that grace may abound god forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein there's this idea you know and there's even a song grace has got this grace has Mm -hmm. got this and if we're not careful we can suppose the grace of god as if we are somehow god's god and we dictate to him that he is going to grant us his forgiveness but forgiveness belongs to god you mentioned david a few moments ago nathan And rarely do you hear anyone point this out. Nathan said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. To Mm -hmm. quote King James, he didn't say restore to me the joy of my salvation. I think we forget salvation and forgiveness and grace and all of that belongs to God. Anytime we receive that, it's the Mm -hmm. gift of God. And so I think we have to be really, really careful that we do appreciate grace but at the same time that we take time to understand what the abuse of grace looks like. Yeah. Diedrich Bonhoeffer often wrote and spoke about cheap grace. 
Mm. And he said that cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism mm. without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Mm. I think that's a really good way to put it. When you cheapen grace into what Paul was talking about, I can just continue in sin so that grace may abound. That's that's not what grace is at all. Mm -mm. Grace is not a free pass on sin. Grace is the power that we have not to sin. We have God's yeah. grace. It, it does forgive our sin, but it empowers us to walk in power and walk in liberty and walk in victory over sin. That's the yeah. kind of grace that God extends to us. So we don't ever want to, and I don't think the lady that sent that email was trying to get that point. She was addressing how God had forgiven her, even though she sure. openly knew. 99% of the sin I've committed in my life, guys, I knew I was doing it. And I was stiff-necked, and I loved my sin more than I wanted God's approval at the time, and I just pressed into it. But thank God for his forgiveness of the sins that we uh, just assume that, that he will forgive. But sin does come with consequences. And there's, yeah. there's different consequences for getting drunk and riding a motorcycle at 150 miles an hour than there is of telling a lie about stealing a candy bar. There's, there's different consequences with different sins. Jesus can forgive both of them. Sure. Well, what hey, can thoughts? I just say this? Can I just Go say ahead. this real quickly? Just so the young lady who sent that email in understands the conversation that I was just having about grace and, and yeah. uh, the abuse of grace. I thought we had moved on from her email. Yeah, that so wasn't I didn't about her. Any of those comments directed toward Correct. her. Agreed. And JC, to be specific about what you were saying, I think this is the danger of, mm. and, and, and I know people are going to say, oh, Brian Edwards was a legalist when he said this. Well, just accuse me. That'll be fine. I think that's the danger of some of these ministries like Venue or like Elevation or like uh, you know, I know people right now who are Craig attending Lock. those local church. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. attending those kind of places. And I know people who are living in open rebellion against the scripture. Mm -hmm. But yet they feel as long as they go on a Sunday morning and they lift their hands and sway back and forth during the worship music. And they, you know, they 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 go and they gather with this group of people where they're going to hear a great, encouraging uh, self-help proclamation that, hey, I'm good. But let me just say this. You're not right with God until you are right with God. And you yeah. are not right with God until you've repented of your sins. And you haven't repented of your sins until you live away from your sin. And so everybody just needs to understand that's biblical. That's not legalism. And that's not me being too harsh. That's me just laying down truth. What does the Bible call them? Whitewashed tombs? Yeah. Yes. I mean, how many times do we see this where they will live in open sin, but as long as they can preach good or they know the right things to say, they can go on and continue to have a what seems to be a thriving ministry. You know, I mean, there's a guy in Tennessee that's, you know, 
had an affair and married to a different lady and going on and on and on and just continuing to preach as if nothing ever happened. And they preach against all kinds of everybody else's sin, except for the ones that they're dealing with. And that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a dangerous place to be. And here's what makes me sick as a Christian, as a pastor is how many people are fooled by that and continue to follow them. You know, that's the thing that, that makes me scared for these folks that are following even after the sin has been laid out very present and there's no repentance. There's no uh, turning from that. There's no stepping down, which is the biblical thing to do. They just keep pressing on and uh, scary. Yeah. And, and, you know, we keep talking about repentance, JC, and I think it's important to point out that we believe strongly in that because that is a biblical doctrine. If you look at John the Baptist, he taught repentance. If you look at the prophets, they talk repentance taught repentance. If you look at Jesus, his ministry started with repent. If you look at the apostles, the new Mm -hmm. Testament, it's, it's full of repentance at Tennessee temple elementary high school. And you were at the college, JC, the, the statement of faith that we had to memorize was the conditions of salvation Salvation, repentance repentance and faith. faith. Yeah. And, and I don't back down from that. We've actually been pushed back Mm-hmm. on by a lot of guys in the IFB, independent fundamental Baptists that think we are legalists because we say that repentance is a part of salvation. One of those guys is Tommy McMurtry. Mm-hmm. He, he does not. And I've had long conversations with guys in his church that you can bleep that sorry. name out. Yeah. That, that just don't. That's a, well, that's you a good point for your name. I know you can bleep the names out. How about that? That's your time to bleep the names out. We may do that, but I've I've had long conversations with men in his church that are in leadership that don't understand repentance. And what they are hearing me say is that you have to be perfect. You have to clean your life up for God to save you. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is a a change of mind that leads to a change of actions. It's something that happens on the inside. And as a matter of fact, I believe that God grants repentance to people. Mm. You can't work that up in and of yourself. It's a work yeah. of the spirit. And yeah. we repent because God moves on our hearts and changes our hearts the same way that I think he gives us faith. So we're not backing down on repentance. And when a guy like Tavener stands in the pulpit without going through a process of repentance, totally disqualified as a pastor. We just got through doing an episode on that recently, mm-hmm. the qualifications of a pastor. He is disqualified. I don't know if he yes. was ever qualified, but he is disqualified from being a pastor. Sure, he can be forgiven if he's truly a Christian, if he truly ever repents. He can be forgiven, but mm-hmm. I didn't see repentance on that stage. I no. saw... Well- I saw something that was that was making a mockery out of sin. It's cheap grace. And I think if there's true repentance, there's going to be humility that follows it. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's ultimately humility that leads to repentance. It's, Amen. It's, it's that you're humbled by the fact, you're, you're lowered by the fact that, that you've sinned against Jesus Christ. And uh, when you have an awareness of that, you know, that, that leads to not woe is you, as the prophet was saying, but woe is me. Uh, but if I could just say this, you know, guys, JC was talking just a moment ago about, you know, the guys who preach certain things and they don't preach certain things. You know, I enjoyed preaching a lot more when I didn't preach the Bible. 
<laughs> I mean, you guys hang out with me. Man, you guys hang that. out with me all the time. And and JC, you know, like you said last night, I made you laugh harder than you'd laughed in a month. You or did. Whatever. So I've always had, you know, the sense of humor. I was, I'm a pretty good joke teller. I used to love telling jokes. I used to love telling funny stories. I used to love letting personality shine through. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, if you've got some charisma, some personality, let's just be honest, you can sell yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's why you have to be a slave to the text. Yeah. My preaching has completely changed because I am a slave to the text. And guys, that's not as fun. Yeah. And it's not as exciting. And people don't leave thinking, you know, man, did you see the way he ran on the pews? Did you see the mm-hmm. way he jumped off the platform? Did you see the way he, you know, stood up on the pulpit? And, you know, people, you hope they leave talking about the text. And and one thing that I think is consistent across, you know, these these situations and circumstances that we're talking about is these men depend on their charisma more than the text. And so I really don't think they're studying. I really don't think they're in God's word. Mm. I, I think they have a creative team. They come up with a topic. They pursue the topic. And the Bible is just a place to get started so that they can talk about whatever it is that they're going to talk about. Mm. And you, you both have mentioned the word humility and, and being humble. Uh, when a pastor is known for his arrogance and when he's known for uh, just being a shock jock and mm-hmm. when his entire following has, has gone from, you know, leading a small group of people in a local church and trying to truly preach the gospel to them and disciple them to, oh, I have this national following and, and I can set up a big tent and I can just draw a crowd yeah. and bring in some celebrities. Um, there's, there's no humility in that. And no. I, I just wonder how long people are going to follow guys that are known for their arrogance. Because we, yeah. we like that. We like people to be bold. I, yeah. I enjoy, like you said, Brian, the theatrics of sermons and it's a lot funner to listen to a sermon and watch a sermon and be in an atmosphere like that. But dude, the truth you, matters. You can't build a skyscraper on a chicken coop. And that's Come the problem. <laughs> they, have a, they got a foundation that's about as shallow as a chicken coop. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing they're building this big empire, but it has no foundation. There's no substance. So when the hype fades, what remains? When the hype's gone, it's gone. It, it poofs, and pride comes before the fall, and I think that's really where their haughty spirit is leading them, and the pats on the back, the likes, the comments, you know, that's one thing that I've loved about this podcast, uh, working with you two, is we've kept each other humble. I mean, we're like, hey, you know, we can't allow these numbers. We can't allow the popularity of this or the people that are wanting to listen to it change who we are and i feel like we've been doing a good job of that because there's people outside of us three that are holding us accountable with that because i mean let's be honest we're still pastors of a local church (laughs) we're nothing like you know and we have people that remind us of that daily (laughs) and i'm not going to mention any more names on this episode because i think we do that way too much but uh we were recently accused in a very public way 
of mm-hmm. me and Brian just going along with you and agreeing mm-hmm. with you and approving of everything you did and said. And that it was so ironic that that night, the three of us have been texting each other about what we disagreed on. And we were pushing yeah. back on each other. And we had Don't a very long, it. heated conversation about, man, yeah. do we need to do this? How do we need to do it? And then this joker gets on. He's like, oh, obviously, Nathan and Brian just bow down and do whatever JC says. No. Give me a break. You have no idea about the conversations we have and and you know jc i've mentioned it before there are times in my life where you put your finger in my chest and in my face and say dude what are you doing you're wrong you're an idiot and And you have done that to me yeah you've gone are you ever wrong and i'm like (laughs) yes i am you know but here's the difference i think i trust you too I yeah. know where your rebuke and your pushback is coming from. It's not in a position to win a war. It's to help me become better. It's to help us become more like Christ. It's the journey that we're on yeah. to endure, to keep going for this spiritual maturity. Because that, no matter if you're 51 or 47 or 39, did I get your age right, Nathan? I, yeah, episode 46. 46. I, I turned 47 this year, but I've got... okay. Quite but, a few more months before I get there. Yeah, but see, it doesn't matter what age you are. We still are continuing on this continuing on this journey of spiritual maturity. And yeah. I need you to. Like this week, I was asked verbatim, do you have anybody speaking into your life helping with your spiritual maturity? And I said, yes, I've got two guys that hold me accountable in life as a husband, as a dad, you know, and that's what is needed. And I see these to, to take Ralph Sexton calling us out, these jack legs that are out there, um, you know, that are preaching these things and, and doing all this stuff. And I wonder who's holding them accountable because if real accountability was happening, would they be doing the things that they're doing? The shock jock. I hear some of the crap coming out of Greg Locke's mouth. And I'm like, how in the world is nobody holding that guy accountable? Some of the stuff that he's saying and doing what JC in that world, no one has the space to hold anyone accountable. Yeah, Think about right. this. When you make up your own truth, oh gosh, then, then no one holds you accountable. Yeah. I lived in that world. I know mm. what the guys are like. And here's the thing. People accuse me on this podcast, JC, of being, you know, sometimes I'm too mean or I'm too forward. Mm-hmm. How about this? I can start calling names and telling specific stories, and a lot of them. Oh, sure. Guys were totally different in the pulpit than they were 30 minutes Mm -hmm. after they were out of the pulpit. The conversation was different. The language was different. The racial jokes were different. I mean, I can, I can, I've never done that because I, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to defend truth. That's why you started bad sermons, right? (laughs) I'm not even, I'm not, listen, I I don't even know how to get the settings on my iPhone. So the we fact know. that anybody would think I'm, I'm tech savvy, you know, but, you know, and if I could just say this, you know, guys, the, the basis of our humility needs to be this. Galatians 6.1, that we consider ourselves, that we can also be tempted, yeah, that we can also fall. You know, the reason I don't want to run up, and I don't even know this guy, I hope I even say his name right, but the reason I don't want to run up on this guy, have or the reason I don't want to, you know, run up on any of the other guys and declare myself righteously superior to them is because, guys, I know 
the idiot that lives inside of me. Yeah. And I know that I hold in my flesh the capability of doing anything and saying anything, mm-hmm. of falling tomorrow, bringing shame to my wife, and my kids, and, and the church that God graciously allows me to serve. So the source of humility, the true source of humility is, first of all, Christ has preeminence in all things. Mm. And then I'm just apt to do anything or say anything on any given day. And so I need to live with an awareness of that. We're all one decision away from stupid. Yeah. Amen. Said that before. And And sometimes we're stupid before we make a decision. <laughs> I I live there. <laughs> yeah, I was I actually having what I've said more than what I didn't say. Yeah. yeah, I was actually having that conversation this week with some guys that I do a Bible study with, and we were talking about the fact that you know in, in the in the book of Numbers, when the children of Israel were leaving and they would they would fall into sin, they would worship idols, they would join in with the countries. And they would just do stupid things. Even Moses and Aaron, as leading God's people, fell into sin. And they, you know, both obviously together, the way that Christ talks to them, God talks to them, is that when Moses struck the the rock, it was him and Aaron that were both in on that. And he told them that neither one of them were going to get to go into the land. And Mm. I just think of someone that was used in as great of a way as Moses was, and yet he can still fall. He can do stupid things. And, um, I I just expressed to the guys that, man, I, I know that in me lies the potential to do anything. Yeah. If I'm give me one day without Jesus, give me one Mm. day without the restraining power of the Holy spirit. And I am an absolute total train wreck. And, uh, I'm just, Dependent on that, but here's the thing I had to land back on with my my guys, and I wanted to just share this with our audience and with both of you guys. That in in the book of Jude, chapter 24 is really where my rest and my hope lies as far as my ability to finish well as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend. It doesn't lie in my ability. It, it, it lies in the ability of Christ. And, and he says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It, it, yeah. The only hope I have is in Jesus. I, I think the greatest experience of worship I've ever had in my life was when I was standing in a, in a worship, and this has happened multiple times, standing in a worship service, just worshiping Jesus, and then having the thought of the things I've done and how mm. greatly I've sinned and how much I've fallen, and even the things that had happened that week in my life. And just from the bottom of my soul, these words just came out in the middle of the worship service. Jesus, you are my only hope without you. I just, I don't have a chance of ever, ever having favor 
with God. And I think that's the greatest form of worship is knowing that our righteousness is Christ's. And we're not here speaking out against Tavner or Greg or Tommy or anybody else. I said I wasn't going to name names, and I just did it again. Sorry. We're not speaking out against these men because we're morally superior to them. We're speaking out against some things in their lives because there are men that don't have accountability. Yeah. And there are men that, that have made a mockery of a pulpit or have tried to lead other men when they don't understand basic doctrines or have sinned openly and just acted like, you know, it's no big deal. They've, they've flaunted cheap grace and offered that to other people. So we're, we're, we're here speaking out, doing what the book of Jude tells us to do to contend for the faith. That's what we're trying to do because it matters. And we're calling these men to repentance. And if we step out in open public sin, like some of these guys that we're mentioning, I pray that someone will call us to repentance because yeah. that's what Christian brothers do for Christian brothers. Hey, when you were reading that scripture a minute ago, Nathan, I almost busted out in, oh, my hope is in Jesus. Come on. Sing it, Brian. Keep going. Thank God my yesterday's gone. Oh, my yes. sins are forgiven. Ooh. I've been washed by the blood. Man, yes, you were reading that about Jesus being our only hope, and that is it. Ooh. You know, the Apostle Paul said, and we all identify with this, oh, wretched man that mm. I am. Yeah. If I look at me, I'm a wretched man. You know what the Apostle Paul is describing, and, and, and maybe the both of you studied this, but in that time, when someone would commit a murder, they would often punish that person by wrapping or binding their victim to them. And they would put the person face to face with their victim and they would bind them and they would take them out in the wilderness. And as the decaying dead body started that process of decay, the living body would take on the decay mm. so that the bugs and the maggots and all the rest would infest the living mm. body in the same way the dead body was infested. And so the Apostle Paul was saying, I'm face to face with who I really am. Mm. Come on. I'm face to face. I know what Ooh. I've been. I know what lies in me. Mm. And he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. And then he says this, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who would walk up to a person who's covered in the decay of a dead body? Who would, who would help unbind the person who was in that condition as a murderer, who was in that position as a result of their own actions? Paul said, I mm. thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Amen. How awesome is it that in the decay of my sin and the filth of my sin, when no one else would love me and no one else would touch me and no one else would come to my aid, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords said, I will yeah. claim you as my own. I will deliver you from the body of the death of who you have been, and I will absolutely set you free. That is. Yeah. 
is the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good stuff. Somebody said sermons aren't podcasts. Uh, Brian Edwards, you just proved them wrong <laughs> once did. and for all, man. Dude, that'll preach, buddy. That, but... that was good. Thank you, man. That was that was encouraging to me. Well, it's just the reality of it. I don't know where to go from there. Guys, I, I think that's we been a pretty solid episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tack was... the intro on to the beginning of this, and that's just our episode right there, man. Let's because... do it because this was supposed to be the intro, but this is too good. We just got yeah. to going. So, yep. my goodness. Well, I love our conversations, and they, you guys provoke me to thought. And here's the thing our attackers can say whatever they want to say. At the end of the day, we're living for an audience of one. Amen. And, and I've lived closely with you guys. And I know you both love Jesus with all your hearts. Um, you know, I mean, think about it. JC tonight is getting ready to take his kids for cheer wine floats. He's being a daddy who's loving his kids in spite of the fact that he gets up early every morning and serves. And Nathan, you, you're the same. And it's just, you guys are amazing, man. I'm grateful to be a part of this. Let's be honest. That's a lot for me more than it is for them, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, man. I love oh, it. Oh, goodness. Guys, I absolutely love doing this podcast. And this is episode 102. And uh, wow. I just, I love our conversation. It's crazy. We've been doing this three years and we still have conversations like that. That's, uh, it's fun. Our vocation is a vacation when you're having fun. So. Come hey, on, man. man. Good. Brian, where are is. you? I just realized you're not at home. What are you doing? Where are you? Uh, I'm in a hotel room. I'm, guys, I've been traveling so much. Uh, we're getting ready to have a church location in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm excited about Wait. that. And so I've been there a lot lately. I've been other places. And right now, I uh, am in Mount Airy, North Carolina. And tomorrow morning, we're starting a leadership awesome. conference. And to be honest with you, as soon as we finish talking, you say, this is over. And I say, be <laughs> sweet. Nathan says, peace. I'm heading out with one of the pastors to get a milkshake and cook out. Because we Come were talking on. about that. <laughs> I texted him a awesome. few minutes ago. Hey, That's let awesome. me tell you my favorite flavor. It is the chocolate banana. And I always add walnuts to it. It's absolutely mm. amazing. That's cool. Man. What a blessing. I this think it's called epic. double fudge or something like that. I don't know the exact cookout terminology, but, oh, it's awesome. Sweet. Well, I'm headed out tomorrow night. I'm going to be leaving here at like 2 o'clock because it's a six-hour drive to Panama City. I'm going to be with First Baptist Church, Albany, Georgia, for their winter retreat until Monday Wonderful. at Laguna Beach Christian Retreat Center. How many people have been there? Yes, sir. That's where I I'm have. headed. So Come on, man. Going Not down me. to the going down to the pcb for jesus not spring break so it's gonna be fun <laughs> yeah they'll be in for a treat man i pray god bless i'm excited you. looking forward to it well guys it's been a great episode and uh next week i believe we're gonna have some sponsors right nate we're gonna roll yes, that out we have them already but we're <laughs> we're uh gonna premiere those next week and excited. really excited about that. We do have one or two spots open. So guys, yeah, a lot of people have contacted us, but uh, we've had three that have come through with, with uh, wanting to go ahead and pursue this. So yeah, go ahead and uh, reach out to us. If you want one of the spots that's open. 
And while you're on there, I want to I want to just give a plug for the Power of a Story podcast that we launched the first of January, and uh, Joey had his incredible episode on there. Uh, we've got a couple folks that have sent in their story. Um, this is a story of real people telling real stories of real life change. And so this is your opportunity to send in a story in your voice. You can record it on your record app on your phone and just send that into us via email, jc at, at recoveringfundamentalist.org. And uh, we'll get you on the power of a story podcast. And uh, I love that. It's not us talking. It's you talking, sharing your story. And uh, we've got a couple good ones there. Hey, and I want to mention one thing, guys, because I was actually having a conversation and uh, I thought I should follow up on this and mention this. Mike and Jen Peters have finally been paired with uh, the twin daughters that they're going to be adopting. Oh, awesome. Dude. Yes. How awesome is that? And That's cool. to be honest with you, they're at a point when if people would like to come alongside of them, they need our help. This is going to be an incredibly expensive undertaking. And these two little girls that would be living in an orphanage for the rest of their lives and likely never hearing the gospel, how awesome is it that God is going to place them in a gospel-centered family? And so if you would like to help Mike and Jim Peters, and you would just reach out to us through the recoveringfundamentalist.org, we would love to give you instruction on how you can be a part of this continuing yes. journey. They are super excited. I can't wait to see pictures of those little girls. They can't even talk about it without crying. And so that's, awesome. that's really exciting. Thank you for letting me mention that. Man, that's I didn't know that. I just learned that right now. That's incredible. You know, Michael text. Does he ever text y'all at like two or three o'clock in the morning? All the time, yeah. I he knows that we're awake, so I'll get a text. I'm like, "What's up, bro?" And he's like, "Do you ever sleep?" And I'm like, "Well, you text me. I gotta wake up because you're you're the only person that texts in the middle of the night." Of course, that's like what eight a.m. over there. So <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, it's been good. Me and Brian got a cookout milkshake to go get, so I think we're yes, going to jump off here. I think we're just going to title this one, We Just Talking, because that's all we're doing right here on this <laughs> one. I love it. It's good. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up with this one by saying y'all have a good week, and let's go. Be sweet. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.